Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Counseling on Demand. I am your host, Fred Riley. Hey, thank you once again for tuning in to these podcasts. So today, uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about suicide. And there's a lot of talk about suicide, uh, especially in the last uh, year or so. I think school systems and local area uh, communities and leaders and so forth have become, uh, it seems like, much more in tune with uh, suicide rates and so on and so forth. And uh, many of you that know me, uh, I've worked uh, directly with assessment and, and placement of suicidal individuals into psychiatric care or dismissal. And, and so obviously I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, on the trenches seeing uh, the, in the numbers of uh, suicide or attempted suicide, seeing my work become more and more um, busy and so forth as uh, each year went by working in the emergency room. And so I keep an eye on that. And since I've left the emergency room, um, the numbers are are obviously still going up. So part of what I wanted to talk about today is we've got this uh, uh, a local news uh, outlet. And then also, uh, I believe it was USA Today just came out uh, yesterday with with some numbers that are, are really concerning. And it goes back to suicide. And those of you that have read it will kind of identify with, uh, you might recall some of these numbers. But basically what they're saying is since uh, 1910, uh, let me make sure I, I wrote some stuff down. I want to make sure I have this right here. Um, basically since 1910, the lifespan, uh, average lifespan, and the the uh, death rate has never receded like it has since 1910. That's a long time, you know, with the technology, with the way that health is improving, um, lifestyle, uh, jobs, uh, access to care, all those different types of things. Uh, it would be, seem like uh, we should be able to argue that uh, lifespan has uh, become, uh, you know, we've been able to, would be able to live longer, so on and so forth. But uh, one of the things that uh, really hasn't been accounted for is this idea that uh, there's mental health care. And that's why I wanted to talk about this is we can have good families, we can have health care, we can have good jobs, um, we can have all the technology to, to work with cancer and different things. But these numbers uh, in terms of lifespan going down, in terms of death per year, those numbers increasing are evidence that we're not um, really taking care of some things we need to. And in the numbers that are showing up that are making a difference, the reason why the death rate is up is a couple areas, but the one that's most significant, obviously, is um, death by suicide. So last year, let me make sure I have this right. So in 2018, there were 47 
1,000 completed suicides. The reason why I say completed suicides is because, you know, we don't often see the individuals that uh, attempted suicide, and uh, and that number is far greater. And I'm not trying to say, when I say completed, I'm not trying to say successful. Um, the word attempted comes to mind. But the idea is that uh, when I look at it from the work I've done before, I've I probably saw four or five people that attempted at least four or five for everyone that actually um, ended their life. And uh, whether they completed suicide or whether, uh, you know, maybe a number of attempts, but these numbers only represent those that uh, succeeded, so to speak, in completing the suicide. So we're talking about 47,000 individuals, and the year before was 45,000 individuals. So that's an increase of 2,000 completed suicides an increase in, in a year. Now, when you think about that, it seems like, okay, 2,000, that's not, that's not that great. But the reality is, is that number is going to keep growing. So I looked at it and I, um, I thought, you know, how do we look at, as I talk about this podcast, what does that look like? What does 47,000 look like? It can sound like a pretty small number when you look at like the world um, population, United States population. So what I did is I thought, you know, what's a good way to take a look at what this number means? And so I like sports, and so what I did is I, I thought, you know, I wonder, let's look for um, uh, these uh, stadiums, uh, like the NBA. What's the largest stadium in the NBA, and what's the capacity? So the United Center is the largest uh, uh, place where uh, basketball, NBA basketball is played, and that center, the United Center, holds 20,192 people, okay? And so if you imagine yourself at one of those, uh, you've watched a, a NBA game or what have you, get an idea for just how big that is, okay? The average, I think, um, NBA uh, house uh, stadium is around 18,000, okay? So imagine that that large stadium, it's hard to see people on the other side, Obviously, it's not a football stadium, but the largest the largest uh, facility for basketball holds less than half of. Um, so we got to double that in order to account for the suicide rate that we have right now for the uh, completed suicide. So this is uh, this is a, a local stadium um, that is filled twice. That kind of makes the numbers look a little bit. Uh, it, it puts some new perspective, and so it's not so watered down when you imagine uh, two of those. And some, you know, you look at some football stadiums, and they, um, some of them just hold just above uh, fifty thousand um, seats. And so, forty-seven thousand uh, completed suicides. Uh, I know just in my area that number went way up just within one high school. So this is the highest rate of. Uh, suicide per 100,000 since 1975. So these are, I was born in 1975. And so as you look back, it's like, okay, so much has uh, transpired just in my own lifetime. And and one of the questions we have to ask is, okay, what's causing this, right? Obviously, and we've talked about that before, but right now, I'm just kind of giving you some idea of what these new numbers are showing us. So other things to keep in mind, and if you're listening to this podcast, I, I want you to pay attention to uh, not rumors or what people say or what have you, but let's look at actual statistics. One of the big questions is, okay, you know, who who completes or who commits suicide, who attempts? And those are really important things to know. So it's, it's interesting. My average um, client is between 40 and 45 years of age. I wasn't quite sure that I would see that, but that's what I see. And, and uh, 
that matches with the suicide uh, rate and so forth. So the uh, the most completed suicides, uh, the most completed, the death um, rate due to suicide, the highest is going to be in males between the age of 46 to 64. And they're going to be more specific about Caucasian males. And so your spouse, you know, think about your partner, your friends, your uncles, whatever. If you're in that range, that's a real serious number. That number is very real. As a matter of fact, that's about 20 people per 100,000 as compared to 14. And that might seem like it's not that much, but uh, I tell you what, um, suicide once in your domain and your in your setting is not going to be going to be easy. And there's even more of those people in your community that are close to that or have attempted. So um, youth, there's a lot of focus on youth right now, and they're they're uh, the. Suicide, the completed suicide rate for youth now, today, is the same as the completed suicide rate across all domains in 1975. So there's 14 per 100,000. So think about your area where you live. There's between ages 15 and 24. Um, they now hold the the same number that the United States held collectively um, back in 1975. So those are some important numbers. Let me just make sure there wasn't anything else. Okay, uh, other other numbers really quick. Men are four times more likely, okay, if you're married, um, you're, you're uh, dating someone, you have an uncle, those types of people that you're worried about. Middle-aged men, um, men in general actually, they, they attempt and complete suicide four times more than women, than females, okay? Now, what's interesting about that is Women, they attempt suicide two more times or twice as much as men. So they're more likely to attempt suicide more frequently, okay? Men are more likely to complete suicide four times, four times more likely. And 50% of those cases are firearms. So when I work with people uh, in the ER and so forth, you know, a lot of people, they really are close to their firearms, their hunters, so on and so forth. Well, one out of two uh, suicides uh, goes back to a firearm, and so and men are more likely to use a firearm. That's why that that rate is so much higher, or is so uh, yeah much higher, and uh, in terms of completing that. So those are some numbers. And uh, lately, you know, with this with these new stories coming out and so forth, we're seeing that um, you know we talk about cancer deaths, we talk about all these things. Well, isn't mental illness a cancer? And that's what we need to start looking at is mental illness uh, is is accounting for, it's, it's decaying, it's dropping our population numbers. And uh, we can treat cancer better than we used to. We can treat a lot of things better than we used to, but we're definitely falling behind in terms of the uh, the support and services and awareness that we need for those with depression and anxiety. So we're going to step away for just a minute here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on with the suicide rates and some things to look for. Welcome back to Counseling on Demand. So today in this episode, we're talking about uh, 
mental health. We're talking more specifically about suicide and these new numbers that just came out uh, regarding uh, the uh, population and uh, actually population decline and the change in terms of uh, overall lifespan. And of course, we're so used to talking about lifespan and population based on disease, cancer, polio, um, third world countries, all those, you know, all those different things, people that have immunizations versus those that don't, so on and so forth. And the focus naturally has really been there. But this newest uh, article that came out through USA Today and local um, news outlets uh, is uh, it's about time we have this report. Honestly, what it's highlighting is that we're, we're not paying attention to a disease that's real uh, whether it's insurance plans or whether it's companies or families, the idea is we're worried about cancer, we're worried about our teeth, we're worried about the more obvious things, diabetes and so forth. But uh, these new numbers show that uh, we're uh, very susceptible to a disease. And that disease, and people don't like that term, but depression and so forth, why is it not a disease? And the idea is that disease means that an organ in the body has uh, failed to do its its job and needs to be replaced with medication and so forth. However, the problem that we're going to see here is that the brain, and I don't know how many people will agree with me on this, but I believe the brain is the only organ that can become diseased and can be returned to health without uh, the permanent uh, outside help of like insulin and those types of things. So when the organ dies, when it doesn't work, pancreas, whatever it is, we have to pretty much replace it with with care and uh, here we have uh, something that's killing our population something that's driving our lifespan down significantly that the numbers are starting to show it and it's something that we can work on it's if we can work on cancer if we can reverse that hey you know what the brain is actually set up to go from a place of disease to healing and uh, we're not putting the time and effort into it that we need to now Going on to what I want to talk about with that, it's not as easy as it sounds, you know. So this is that place where you and everyone says, so what do we do, right? And I think that's part of the problem is something like cancer and so forth, it's visible. It shows up on a CT, an MRI, uh, family history is probably a little bit more documented. We know where the location of the the problem is, whether it's a, a lung issue or what have you. Um, we can identify blood clots. We can do all those different things. And the idea is we're barely in a place where counseling, uh, depression, and so forth is even uh, socially acceptable as, as a reality. And I don't think we're near that as well. And so the idea, what I'm trying to say is why is that number going up and what what do we need to do about it? Well, that's exactly the problem is we, this is the first time I think that we're recognizing something measurable that's saying, hey, this in, indeed is going up. And this is reflective of the problem that's innate in that, which is, we what do we do? We can't see it. We think we see it, but we don't. You know, cancer, it's either there or it's not there, And as far as I understand. But what do we do? We're recognizing that devices, social media, uh, parent-child relations, we understand that those things contribute. We don't fully understand that. But how do we know, how, we, how can we draw, uh, connect lines between, you know, this condition plus this family situation, plus devices is going to lead towards high alert on uh, somebody that may be suicidal. And even if we get to that point where we can identify, we can never have predictors in the field of psychology, but even if we got to that place where 
where we knew A plus B equaled this, who are we to say that we need to have schools and others put a special eye and target somebody that uh, that uh, has mental health issues or they'll have mental health issues? Who are we to say that? Who are we to sit down with family and say that uh, we know better than they do? And even though that child or that husband or whatever is doing fine, we're going to mark them, right? So that's that's obviously not something that I want to be labeled with. And that's obviously something that we don't want to be responsible labeling people with. So the idea is we need to do a lot, much better job of de- deciding, okay, how do we address this? What do we look for? And a lot of what's going on in terms of suicide awareness and prevention really comes down to you. It really comes down right now to you and your awareness. And uh, at the community level and so forth, there's a lot of different programs and things that are are out there to try to help mitigate, to help get involved here. But uh, I think the closest source to those that are feeling suicidal, um, that direct observation, is probably the, the most effective approach right now. The number one thing with observation, you know, I had a family come in last night, a, a mom and a dad, and uh, they really good couple. They were worried that they were going to be that couple on the news that, uh, you know, their son had died and they were the ones that, you know, had no clue, so on and so forth. They were very, very much aware. And they asked me, they said, what, what do we do to decrease the likelihood that uh, our son will take his life? And, uh, and what I said to them is the number one thing is intuition. And uh, as you're listening, I'm pretty sure you're, you're aware of intuition at some point. I did do a podcast on that. Listen to your gut. I told them, you know, most people that I work with, they had a gut feeling that they need to go check on somebody or they had a gut feeling that their child was isolating or they had a gut feeling that their uh, partner was upset and the gun was gone. So the greatest rate or the greatest um, skill so far that I can come up with with prevention is following that gut. Now, we don't want to be wrong, right? But you know what? I would follow. I would rather err on the side of caution. I'd rather err on talking to the person and saying what my gut feels. And, and if I'm wrong, you know, who cares? At least I was able to put myself out there and, and try to address the issue with somebody. So paying attention to your gut, number one. Number two, or intuition, number two, not doubting your intuition. Follow up with it. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to find that they're okay. Uh, otherwise, you can help with some intervention because you're there. Okay, so what do we look for? So we want to build awareness. We just talked about intuition. But uh, what do we look for? And these are things that just can be that are kind of hard. I looked at things to look for outside of my experience, and, and there's some books and stuff that list things to look for. And, one of the, and I'll list those right now, but one of the things I noticed is that, um, you know, we, like I said, we can see cancer and so forth, but I'm going to read some things here to look for. So school systems and so forth say, hey, you need to look for this, right? Well, these things that we're looking for, um, they cannot be on the radar, because someone that's feeling suicidal is not going to come tell us these symptoms. And so it makes it very difficult. So what they're saying, and uh, that our greatest uh, effectiveness right now is to be aware, but what they're saying is be aware if someone's talking of hopelessness. Okay, not a bad idea, but I tell you what, most of the people I see that are depressed don't come in and say they feel hopeless. They come in and they say they're fine. Okay, suicidal ideation. If somebody has suicidal ideation... Okay, that means planning, taking a look at, okay, they're going to feel ashamed. They're not going to want to be a burden to you. So it's going to be really hard to observe that they're feeling suicidal. Now, one thing that I want to share, too, is when we're talking about suicidal ideation, not only is it hard to tell because 
of the mask of depression and so forth. But there's so many different mental health issues that can feed into these things. All of us know, or most of us know somebody that is suicidal, but maybe they're not. And so how do we determine that someone, you know, what do we do if someone says they're suicidal um, off and on, and how do we treat it? Who do we take seriously? By the way, this is what I tell people, whether the person's serious or not, if uh, if someone expresses suicidal ideation, you, you treat it serious. They can be mad at you. They'll get over it later. But the idea is, just so you know, wherever you're at in the world, uh, you call the police and you ask for what's called a wellness check. The idea is, okay, I care enough to get you upset with me, but you say those words, guess what? We're going to be there for you. We're not going to wonder uh, whether you're serious or not. So other things is plans. No one's going to tell you plans. Um, let's see. Uh, other things they say to watch for in terms of suicide is is if the person feels like they're a burden. Now, they might vocalize that, but they're not going to typically because someone that's feeling suicidal, someone that's feeling depressed, they're going to feel like they're a burden if they share that they're a burden. Okay, so they're going to keep that kind of secret. Um, one other thing is, uh, let me see. Oh, verbally, if uh, individuals start to kind of quiet down and so forth, you know, kind of start to withdraw. And that's hard to tell, too, especially with teenagers. So the idea is these are some things to be mindful of, but what do we do, right? We're going to check in with each other. We're going to create a, an avenue of of uh, discussion where once a week or whatever, we just, we know, or we help that person know they can bring anything to us. And that's something that's established over time. But one thing is to create that, that landing, that place where we can hear or be heard on a regular basis, regardless of how busy our life is or, or how far we've gotten involved in different things. So the idea, the other thing to look at is more observable type things. So the um, material that I read, I was really hoping it would add to what I experienced in terms of what I tell families. But really, the material I read said, you'll know somebody's suicidal if, and then they, they listed all the secrets that someone will not share with you if they're suicidal. Okay. So the other thing is we want to look for behaviors that might indicate, and then we question those behaviors. So withdraw. One of the things that I see that is a big predictor of depression or um evidence, so to speak, is there's going to be a lack of interest across the board, lack of interest in activities, lack of interest in friends, lack of interest in faith. And that's going to be one of the most observable things that's going to kind of tip you off that, hey, someone's in a tough spot. Other things might be eating patterns and then fatigue. Fatigue's a huge one. You're going to see somebody that's really withdrawn and they're going to be tired and they're not going to really elect to or be motivated to participate. So a lot of conversations that we need to get into about this, you know, having that communication with somebody, following your gut, your intuition, those are early things that we can start to do, not being afraid to call police and say, hey, come out and do a wellness check on mom, dad, brother, whoever. Um, there's no harm in doing that. They might be upset with you, uh, the person that uh, you're trying to protect, but it's better to say something than wish you had said something. So these numbers are becoming more evident. Our population numbers, our lifespan is being affected by this epidemic, by this idea that uh, although we're treating everything else better and better than before, we're actually falling behind. So take time 
to uh, be aware of others, take time to read up on depression, anxiety, alcoholism, any of those issues that you feel like are in the lives of the loved ones that uh, you have around you. Educate yourself, and, and as you educate yourself, that will increase your intuition and obviously pay attention to that. So this is a topic that we'll spend a lot more time on. Uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. I do appreciate you listening to this podcast. Uh, you can find me online at gettingbacktolife.com. That's getting back to number two life dot com. And you can also email me at help at getting back to life dot com.